Welcome to a presentation of TGIF, Tear Gas is, well, you can fill in the blank. Today, we're having a conversation about less lethal munitions as here in Allegheny County and around the country and around the globe. We are actually having conversations about state governments purchasing more munitions to use against protesters, to use quote-unquote control in incarceration and detention centers, and as well as to quell protests. We know that these less lethal munitions are still lethal, and they are used to intentionally hurt and maim people every single day. And so for a little um, for the next hour, we're going to have a conversation about the legal implications of these munitions, what it means to people and community, and why as Pennsylvanians, we should really be concerned about these munitions that are actually manufactured right here in Pennsylvania. To get us started, we're going to be talking with two people from the Pittsburgh Palestinian Solidarity Committee who are our partners in this presentation. Kate and Jonas are going to talk about why it's so important that you are tuned in today for this program and some of the reasons that have brought them here. And with that, we welcome Kate and Jonas to the program. Thank you, Miracle. Hi, Jonas. Hi, Kate. Um, Hi, Miracle. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to One Hood for sponsoring this really, really important conversation that we're about to have. I'm with the Pittsburgh Palestine Solidarity Committee, and we have been this this wave of of our involvement started with the second intifada in the early 2000s, and we have been educating and advocating for Palestinian rights. Uh, at least for that long. Um, tear gas is a particular problem in Palestine and in other countries around the world where it's been used to maim and kill people. And early on in the 1990s, um, there were uh, Palestinians and, and along with the Center for Constitutional Rights actually sued a company in Western Pennsylvania on behalf of Palestinian families who lost people uh, to tear gas canisters. So uh, our other speakers will be talking about that a little bit more, but just I want to just say one thing about uh, our involvement. Um, Western Pennsylvania has two tear gas facilities that sell not only to brutal dictatorships around the world, but also to p police forces uh, in the United States. And our audience is going to hear a little bit more about that. But we've been protesting tear gas 
um, at least for the last decade, going to the facilities in Jamestown, New York, the CSI facility, and protesting um, the sale of these horrific lethal weapons. I mean, they're, ca they're classified as non-lethal, but we know they're very, very lethal. So that's who we are. We're involved in a lot of different campaigns, but this one is very close to our heart. Um, I've been tear gassed in, in Belain in Palestine. I know Jonas has, has also been victimized by the gases as well, both there and here. So Jonas, you want to add to, to that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to say also that the Pittsburgh Palestine Solidarity Committee you know, we're a broad coalition of Jews and Muslims and Christians and queers and communists and atheists and all kinds of folks who have been to Palestine, who have stood in solidarity for many, many years with the Palestinian people who are being oppressed uh, with our tax dollars by the apartheid Israeli army. And um, I'm just I'm, I'm really honored that uh, Mohammed Khatib is here today. Um, Kate had mentioned that she's been to Belain. Um, I met Mohammed in Belain back in 2003 in his village that has been nonstop protesting against uh, the annexation, the illegal annexation of the village of Belain. And on a daily basis, the folks in, in Belain and all over Palestine are forced to um you know, deal with the effects of tear gas and rubber bullets and, you know, the, the weaponry that the U.S. supplies to the Israeli army. So um, I'm just I'm really honored that he's here today. And I invite any of your uh, of the viewers here today to check out our Facebook page and follow what we're doing. Um, you know, we have many upcoming events and uh, you're welcome to join us and we would love to have you. And uh, on that note, you know, back to you, Marigold. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Kate and Jonas. And now um, for our panel discussion, we're going to be joined by uh, three other uh, panelists. Uh, Jonas said he uh, was going to take a step away. Um, uh, but uh, Kate, are you going to stay with us? I can stay. Kate, Kate's going to stay with us and we're going to have this conversation. Um, so like we said, uh, this is going to be a, a, a local and international uh, program. I guess that is, you know, uh, us, one of the silver linings of this time is that we're all able to connect globally. And so one of the people, um, as Jonas just so brilliantly talked about, is uh, Mohammed, who is a, an attorney, a civil rights activist, an organizer who's coming to us from uh, Palestine. It's 9 p.m. there, so we want to thank Jonas for joining us um, this evening. Not only is he um, someone who's been directly impacted um, by tear gas and less lethal ammunitions, but he's also an individual who has um, worked um, to do nonviolent resistance to land confiscations and is a part of the popular struggle for the coordinated committee um, in Palestine. So welcome, Mohammed. We're going to uh, mute you right quick. Uh, sorry, I was muted. <laughs> I was, uh, thank you uh, for this introduction, and I'm so honored and happy to be with you and also to talk in front of you about our experience and our life in Palestine. Thank you so much. Um, our next panelist is Will Sands. Will Sands is a documentary photographer and journalist based in Richmond, Virginia, who has traveled all around talking about the dangers of tear gas and these less lethal munitions 
um, do even uh, prior um, to his own uh, experience where he um, will talk later, but he was actually uh, permanently injured because of these munitions. And so he actually has a whole range of art and photography where he's actually documenting how these munitions harm people every single day. So welcome to the program, Wilson. Hey guys, thank you so much for, for organizing this. We're really looking forward to it. And then our last panelist is, uh, yes, yes, thank you so much. And our last panelist is Quinn from the Abolitionist Law Center. Um, Quinn is a staff attorney um, and community organizer who is actually working on some of the legal cases and challenges to having these tear gas and less lethal munitions um, deployed here domestically. So welcome to uh, this program, Quinn. Everyone, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. Yes, thank you. And so um, for a lot of people, the past two years is their direct introduction to tear gas and less lethal munitions. We know people have taken the streets um, to protest a plethora of things from climate justice to police brutality to eviction moratoriums. But what we saw in the past couple of years is this militarization militarization um, of police to respond to protests. And here in Allegheny County, um, one such protest was the East Liberty protest that saw scores of college students and high school students um, actually have tear class deployed on them. And Quinn, your organization, the Abolitionist Law Center, has you know filed litigation um, against like the Pittsburgh police uh, and others for that East Liberty uh, incident. Can you just talk about you know what is going on with these less lethal munitions? How do they even get to um, our, our city and our governments in the first place? Yeah, so there's a, a very long history of uh, tear gas in particular being used domestically in the United States, um, as well as a, a tool for colonialism across the world. So, um, you know, it, it sort of started popping up in, in warfare in World War I. Um, and it was uh, relatively quickly banned for those purposes. Uh, however, they essentially, the international community essentially carved out um, a colonialism exception, basically, um, for its use as a riot control agent. So pretty quickly after World War One, I, I think in 1922, Philadelphia became the first um, or one of the first police departments in the U.S. to uh, purchase tear gas and begin to use it against um, protesters in labor disputes mostly, um, as well as for pretty much any purpose that they, you know, wanted to disperse a crowd for, for whatever reason they wanted to use it. Um, I think it's, it's become a lot more common for police to use it in the last 10, 15, 20 years um, as a first option rather than as a um, sort of something that would, that they would resort to um, later in clashes. But um, it's definitely got a long history of use uh, in the U.S. by police departments against protesters and other other people who they were, um, you know, like I said, attempting to to disperse whatever um, movement they were a part of, um, and used as a way to, um, you know, rather than than firing uh, live bullets at people, um, 
they they saw tear gas as, a, as something that the public would more readily accept um, being used against protesters because it wasn't something that left necessarily an immediately obvious uh, you know physical um, harm on somebody. There was you know less blood and um, a little bit. It, it re- they thought it would essentially reflect better on police to use the sort of invisible gas where they could you know make people suffer immensely, but it wasn't something that the public would necessarily. Um, find offensive to, to see police using them against um, their own citizens. And then again, it's it's been used across the world, as and we'll hear a lot more from, from the other panelists, um, in, in similar situations and as a, basically a tool of, of repression. Um, as far as other less lethal munitions go, those are a little bit more modern, um, and especially the, the types, there are all, all sorts of different less lethal munitions that police departments um and, and militaries use across the world. A lot of them are manufactured here in Pennsylvania um, and then sold to, to repressive governments and organizations across the world for their use. So things like uh, rubber bullets, uh, sponge batons, um, just any anything that um, these companies essentially dream up and then can market to police departments as a, a way of controlling people and beating back movements that challenge uh, either the police themselves or other um you know, the, the status quo, essentially, as you mentioned, are protests about, um, you know, and less lethal munitions have been used in protests around a, a, a number of topics challenging the current status quo. So that's uh, a little bit of the, the history. Pittsburgh is obviously no exception. Allegheny County Jail is no exception. They've used uh, these types of munitions for, for a long time. Um, and, you know, we, we saw tons of videos circulating on social media last year after the the East Liberty protest in particular, but even a couple of days before that, uh, Pittsburgh police used um, tear gas and, and other munitions against uh, protesters downtown. Um, and essentially, it started a riot downtown to a police riot. I should clarify that. Um, and then a couple other times through the summer of last year in, in Pittsburgh, and as well as Philadelphia, where we're also representing some protesters. But um, I think I've been, been talking long enough about that, but happy to answer any follow-up questions as well. Thank you so much for that. And um, like Quinn has said, around the globe, this is something that's not anything new. Um, Mr. Muhammad, you are a you know, internationally known, recognized civil rights attorney. You've been doing this work for, for years. Can you just talk about how um, tear gas and these munitions have been used um, in Palestine and some of the legal challenges you have been trying uh, to raise to stop their use. Yeah, thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, introduce my personal life to, to you. Like, um, like you know, uh, I, I was born in 17 of October uh, 1974, which means uh, seven years uh, after the occupation, like you know, that is occupied the West Bank. I'm not. I don't want to speak now about whole Palestine, but like you know, just only about the West Bank. So I was born after seven years of the occupation, and this means that all my life was under occupation. So I didn't know what's the life without occupation, as all of my age, in this uh, in this region, in this area that we are under the Israeli regime, the Israeli occupation, and uh, that this occupation, not only it is a military, but it's also 
like you know it's enter to our life with with settlers with the uh, all the circumstances and uh, the life that you know that they want to control to put in us and to control our life so when i what i what i remember like you know and what we see that all the act is like you know is things that we cannot you know it's simple it's, it's very simple to to someone from like you know who's living but it's so complicated in the same in the same time so for example i when i was a child i used to to go to the sea but now i cannot see the sea because i'm forbidden because of the wall because of the settlement because of the uh, checkpoints and the the board and the barriers that the israelis are putting in front of uh, in front of us if i want also to to speak about like you know about the i don't want like you know to speak a lot about the past but also i want to speak about about what's going on now what's going on now is the half of my land is being cut by the by the wall and this land that it's in the other side of the wall which is like you know that considered the israeli side now it's there's a, a huge settlement that it's like you know around 80,000 settlers who are living in our land in the same place where i used to to play and like you know my children are not allowed now to go there and they have brought our olive trees and in 2004 they start to build the wall in our land and then we start to demonstrate when we start to demonstrate peacefully then what we faced, we faced the Israeli like repression, the Israeli uh, army, the police, like you know, different kind of units. They start to use against us different kind of weapons. One of them is the tear gas. But before I speak about specific the tear gas, I want also to mention different kind because we start to be like an experimental field for these weapons, for these companies who want to. Uh, to test their new uh, weapons and they were like you know I will start from the hard one which is the life ammunition bullet that there's a lot of people being injured by 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 this and lately uh, a kid like you know just like you know two months ago he just was 16 years old his name is Lambert. He been shot by a live ammunition bullet directly to his chest, and he died in like you know just only a few seconds after this this bullet has been shot him. So it was so hard to see this kid being killed in front of you. Uh, rubber bullets, like you know, different kind of rubber bullet, different kind of tear, tear gas, uh, like you know. A different kind of a new like the scream the they use planes uh, drones uh, different like you know but I now I want to speak like you know specifically here more to focus about the tear gas canister and the tear gas canister when you hear about tear gas canister you just see the, the, the white smoke but it's not only the white smoke what is behind this this is smoke this smoke is like you know uh, poisons you know it could poison you and Jawahar Abu Rahma 30 years old a girl a female from Bil'in she being killed by breathing this tear gas 
and it was approved by a medical report by like a lot of a lot of evidence that it was killed by briefing this tear uh, tear gas and her her brother Basim also 31 years old Basim Abu Rahma was killed in front of my eyes in front of me and I saw that I was just only two steps from him they shot him directly with a tear gas canister it's not only a, a normal one a tear gas canister it, it's called the rocket and it was like you know being tested in Berlin by these two like you know this these companies and the army like you know and it's make a hole of a uh, 10 centimeter of like you know diameter in his in his chest and he died in the in the place another a friend of mine from the village of Nabi Saleh he was like you know also being shot by a tear gas canister in his head and he was died because of the tear gas canister and there is a lot of names like you know a lot of stories a lot of like people who have like a lot alive being taken by these gas canisters because also the army and the police were shooting directly were they supposed to shoot it like you know in the in, uh, you know in the sky or to, to fall down but they were aimed and they were use it as as you said little weapon and they were they they, they decide to kill like you know that what they were planning is to is to kill to kill people by using this uh, kind of, of of weapons and like you know also like you know american activist israelis activist all the people who were participate in our demonstration they were shot and i will tell you also more like you know about they were like you know i was like you know observing not only the killing which is so hard but also i was observing how they were ex ex experimental the the weapons in us like you know when they start like you know the tear gas canister is different kind one of it is that it's close to, to different pieces one of it it's a rubber black black ones it's look a rubber and but like you know they start to use recently that they put a box in the front in front of a jeep that it's launch uh, like you know around 10 or 20 together so it's make the whole village as 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 a cloud of smoke and this was being experiment uh, they experted like you know experimented it in in the in, in our demonstration and they announced that they are using this for the first time to see how the effect of it on the people so they were using us like uh, you know mouses of, of lab of labs like labs mouses to you to see how it's it's work against us and how so and when we like you know make like when you ask me about like legal cases we try to to sue the companies we try to sue the the army and you know and without any uh, result so all these things and and like you know as i said before like you know they start like you know to increase the with the technology like you know their method with the technology and they start to throw the tear gas from the drones 
we use the drones to go up and to, to, to like it was a rain like the 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 sky is raining tear gas it's like and you know this all uh, like stories about the tear gas like you know and and we know that it's there's two american uh, companies who are like you know taking part of uh, of this of this uh, one is called defense technology and the other one is is if i just want to see the okay no matter what's the name like you know but like you know these two two at least like you know two or three co american companies who are part of this uh, of this like you know participate in 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 discriminating us like they were part of the of the killing not only discrimination or like you know they were part of the killing like you know at, i i mentioned to you at least three but there's also more people who been killed by the tear gas and there's a lot of people who been like you know injured injured for like you know uh, very serious part of them like you know i have a friend of mine i will you know he's an israeli activist his name is jonathan polak Jonathan Bolak is, is 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 like you know a young activist who now is suffering from like you no know, last time we were together in a very like you know sensitive place in a demonstration. Uh, Jonathan lost a piece of his like you know memory when because the they hit him by the tear gas canister in his head in his skull, and then he like you know fragmentation and make like you know a piece of his memory like you know he lost it and then uh, jonathan for a while he is now lose like you know who's who's him for almost two or three hours that he don't know who's him what he's like you know you, like you know you talk to him he he's not in 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 the reality he like he don't know where is He's now because of this tear gas. He's an Israeli. Tom Hardell is an American citizen who been shot in in Alien by a tear gas canister in his in his hand. And there's a lot of like you know people who been like you know affected by this company. Who's I'm calling here to everyone who's who's hearing me to take an action to be to do something. Like to stop these companies to provide weapons, to provide materials, to provide tear gas canisters to the Israeli army and all the repression systems and regime. I don't know if I have more time to or like you know I I can stop here if you if it's okay. Yeah, I'll yeah I'll I'll definitely come back uh, uh, to you. Um, but thank you for that. And so. Um, you were talking about, you know, the Combined Systems Inc. and the Non-Lethal Technologies, these two organizations. And um, before we go to Will, Kate, I'm going to come to you. Can you just talk about, you know, this Pennsylvania connection? Because a lot of times some people are, are just learning more about what's going on in the world, right? A lot of people have had time to, to sit down and, and study and learn more because of this pandemic. But this is made like right here in Pennsylvania. You know, Muhammad's talking about memory loss, people losing their lives. We also know that um, 
is causing reproductive issues. It, it causes infertility. Um, so much is going on. Can you just talk about this Pennsylvania connection? So um, I actually think when Will comes on, he's going to, Will has been researching this as a, as a photojournalist and um, he's writing for Mother Jones. Um, and he can really talk about also the firsthand experience of being hit with a tear gas canister. But uh, Western Pennsylvania has two of the largest uh, facilities, uh, tear gas facilities in the country. And as I said earlier, CSI in particular uh, sells, um, I know right now they're selling to Israel, they're selling to Egypt, I think they're also selling to Bahrain. And activists from Youngstown, Cleveland and Pittsburgh have been protesting at this plant as I said, at least 10, since 2004. Um, they uh, flew an Israeli flag regularly from the plant and were recently took it down and I understand they only uh, fly it uh, once a month. The other facility um, is in uh, near Indiana County and that facility was sued by Sam Bahor, who's Palestinian, um, by the Center for Constitutional Rights. That's now, um, they're called non-lethal technologies, and they're also producing tear gas that's sold, I think, more recently uh, to the Chinese government, and that tear gas was used in Hong Kong. So we have a very uh, important role to play. Mohammed talked about the need to be active, become activists. Tear gas is a lethal weapon. Um, um, Mohammed is referencing people who lost their lives, lost their memory, lost uh, part of their bodies, lost their, you know, in Palestine. But it's really a worldwide phenomena and it's being manufactured here in Western Pennsylvania. So we are in discussions about what to do next, um, which is why I'm looking forward to this conversation because I do think we should be doing our best to shut these plants down. Uh, they're not only injurious uh, as a weapon, but they're injurious in the communities where they're located. Um, they're injurious to the worker in the plant. They're injurious to the to the land around them. And there's nothing good that can come from this. There's no, they are not about riot control. They're about injury and they're about harming uh, our, our communities. So I think that Will will add a lot to this because I know he's been doing a lot of research and then we can come back around. And so to bring Will in, uh, for a lot of folks, remember, um, during Ferguson, October, after the killing of Mike Brown, um, a lot of people went on Twitter and were talking about, we don't know what's happening Um but we, we just got hit with something. We know it's tear gas. We can't breathe. We know it's in our clothes. It's in our eyes. And because of the document, you know, documenting of those tear gas canisters and there's uh, other munitions, a lot of people, um, particularly from Palestine, were saying, hey, we get hit with this all the time. This is how you wash your clothes. This is why, how you, you know, protect your eyes, protect your nose. Um, this is how you get, you know, the smells and things out of your house. And so we understand that documenting, you know, the, the weapons that are used by the police are so important just for, you know, our daily survival. And so we want to bring Will on, who has been documenting and researching, you know, these munitions, you know, for years, and just talk about why it's so important um, that he 
he's doing this work and some of the things that he has, you know, discovered. So, Will, we want to welcome you um, uh, to the program when he comes back. Uh, but I'm coming back uh, to you, Quinn, as we wait for Will to to join on. You're following up. You're following these these lawsuits. We learned, you know, just the other week that here in the local, you know, jail, they're advocating to get trained on the on these munitions, um, so they can use them for, you know, for control and security. People are harmed. People are dying. What are some of, of your clients, and what are some of the other people who've been harmed by these tear gas, you know, ammunitions? Telling you when you do your interviews, things that you can publicly share, you know, of course. Yeah. So the a lot of people's experiences are are um, you know very similar across you know regardless of how tear gas is is used. Um, so it's not I'm not going to share anything specifically that anybody told me, but. It's a, a relatively universal experience, especially with tear gas. You, um, if you're just hit with the gas, your eyes start to burn, your throat starts to close up, you start, um, you know, feeling a lot of um, like mucus coming out, and you can't really control your tears. It's really debilitating for a little bit. When um, at the East Liberty protest uh, last year, I was there, so I experienced a little bit of it, not as much as as many people, but then there are some, a lot more serious effects for some. I think, as you mentioned, there are um, major effects on reproductive system. Uh, there's a lot more research coming out now that um, tear gas and chemical weapons can be um, in abortive fashion, so they can uh, basically terminate a, a pregnancy. Um, and then in more serious cases of, of just exposure to the gas, uh, leaving aside the um, some of the things that Mohammed was mentioning about uh, being hit with the canisters or the can- canisters being shot at you, um, you know, the, it can cause death eventually if you in- inhale enough of it. For people who have respiratory issues, it can be particularly deadly. Um, I think if you're looking at the last year and a half while we're in the the midst of a global pandemic um, for a respiratory illness, it's particularly dangerous to be, um, you know, firing tear gas on, on people um, in that context as well. And then for the, the other types of munitions, they um, are basically intended to maim without, without killing. Uh, they can cause broken bones. People, uh, you know, have, have broken bones from particularly rubber bullets, as well as the, the bean backgrounds that they, they shoot at people where which are essentially they have a, a cartridge with, with a couple of small bean bags in them that is fired out of a shotgun and then they, they sort of spray. Um, people uh, frequently lose lose eyes um, if they're struck directly, especially with, with some of these munitions. Um, in the case that we uh, filed in Philadelphia, um, the the police were, were driving through the streets in, in armored tanks, uh, basically throwing tear gas on people's lawns, on their porches, anybody that they saw that was just outside, they would throw tear gas at them, uh, regardless of any connection that they thought they had to any protests that were going on in the area or anything like that. Um, so they basically just opened, it was open season on anybody living in that area, which was uh, historically and predominantly black neighborhood in Philadelphia that has had a very contentious history with police. It's the same um, neighborhood where the, the move bombing occurred um, which, for those who aren't familiar, was a, another instance where police used tear gas uh, against a, a, a black liberation organization and then uh, later dropped a bomb on, on their home, um, which ended up killing a, a number of them, as well as burning down almost an entire block of homes um, in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, so there's 
those are some of the the major effects that people experience, and I think some of the points that Muhammad raised about um, how, uh, especially in Palestine, they're um, being used as uh, you know experimental. I think you said lab rats um, essentially, and that's that's something that's really important, and I think shows the kind of in- interconnectedness of of liberation struggles across the globe. The U.S. often has used. Um, these types of weapons and tactics in other countries, um, as well as learn from other other countries' repression of liberation struggles, and then uh, taking those weapons and tactics back home to use on um, us here and people who are involved in, in similar struggles in, in the United States. Um, so that, I think, along with kind of the, the Pennsylvania connection of these weapons being manufactured largely in Pennsylvania, um, and then being shipped out across the the world to be used against people, um, yeah, I think really drives home how how interconnected all of our our struggles here, as well as what you said about you know people in Palestine offering support to to Ferguson and elsewhere when they were experiencing tear gas because of um, the way that they or their experiences with it, and they were able to offer advice and things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And okay, you said you you wanted to um, also add some more to the conversation. You, <laughs> I'm really glad you mentioned Ferguson. I want to elaborate a little bit. Um, when um, at, when Palestinians saw the brutality of the police in Ferguson against um, the demonstrators, they did contact. The demonstrators and and gave them ideas about what to do when they when you get hit with tear gas, like put an onion in your mouth, put a mask over your face, use milk. Um, and solidarity, I think, has always been between um, the Black Liberation Movement and the Palestinian uh, movements. Um, but and also in South Africa, for example, there are strong solidarity movements and alliances. But it even became more so with the connections between the oppressed people here and marginalized people and what's happening in Palestine. But what I want to add is that several years ago, Jewish Voice for Peace, along with other activist organizations, initiated a campaign called Deadly Exchange. And they made people aware in the United States of the increased militarization and collaboration between the Israeli um, uh, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, which is really the IOF, the Israeli Defense Forces, and and police departments in the United States. So police in the United States, not that they really needed this kind of training perhaps, but went to Israel and Israeli uh, military came here to cities Inclu- um, across the country to get better training in what we call riot or crowd control. So the connection between people is so strong. Our fight against these the, these weapons has to be, it really is in everyone's interest to oppose the use of these lethal, lethal and barbaric weapons. Um, I've been reading about tear gas used in World War II. I taught history uh, for many years. And when I look at World War I, they actually talked about how they could kill more people with the use of tear gas because the soldiers 
were so horrified at not being able to breathe, they would jump up, rip, rip their masks off and, and run into the gunfire of, so it's, it's really, it's, it's really, I don't know what other word to use, diabolical to figure out ways to, to, to harm people even more than, you know, than, than you can. And, and, the, and then to the cynicism of calling it non-lethal when we know that it's killed people. We know that it's injured people for life. Will Sands, I, I guess he's having a hard time getting back on Miracle. Um, he's from, a, so I might say something about Will. Um, I really wanted him to be able to tell his story, but Will was, um, and hopefully, I don't, will we be able to get him back? I don't, I don't want to do that if he can't. We're trying, but you can go ahead. You can go ahead. Um, the way that I, uh, I haven't met Will personally, but I was at the demonstration a month or two ago at the CSI facility in Jamestown, New York. And again, Youngstown had, you know, has sent the Arab Community Center in Youngstown and activists in Cleveland in the area have come there over the past several years to protest this facility and to demand that it be shut down. And Will was calling some residents, um, He's been going to Jamestown and he's been um, been going there and, and interviewing people. Um, Will was at a, at a Black Lives Matter demonstration in Washington, D.C., and he was shot in the face with a canister and he lost an eye um, to a tear gas canister. And I don't know his whole story except that he's writing for Mother Jones um, and he has been documenting and talking to at least 30 other people in the United States who've also lost an eye to a tear gas canister. So uh, Mohammed made the point that supposedly you're supposed to fire up in the air or whatever, but we know that the American police departments are firing directly at people's heads, directly at their eyes. We know that they're doing the same thing in Palestine. And we also know that there's this collaboration between these police forces, and we need to shut them down. We need to talk to Congress. We need to protest. We need to demonstrate. We need to... I'll stop because Will is here. So hopefully we'll be able to keep you on. All right. And thank you so much for joining us, uh, Will. You know, we're having technical difficulties. Can you just, you know, jump right in? Uh, you've been you've been following this conversation. Um, what would you like to, uh, to, 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 where would you like to start? Um, can you guys hear me yes. relatively clearly? Yes. Okay. Okay, great. Um, so sorry, the connection here is not not what I hoped it would have been. Um, so I'm barely able to follow the conversation. So I'll just add a, look, a couple points to just what I was going to originally going to add to the conversation. Um, so I'm a, a documentary photographer based in, in Richmond, Virginia, um, focusing on political movements and social uprisings, and then some some conflict reporting. Um, and so I've been around these weapons for, for the majority of my adult life, um, both originally as a protester and then, and then as a professional journalist. Um, and in May of 2020, uh, while covering the protests in, in DC, um, following the, the murder of George Floyd, I was shot with a tear gas canister, um, at about 11 o'clock at night, um, 
long story short, I was left with a detached retina and some damage to my cornea, um, as well as some, some serious hemorrhaging around the eye. Um, and was then bedridden for, for a, about a month and a half as everything was going down in the United States. Um, and so I was watching everything happening from, from a bed. You know, Will's having some technical difficulties, but what I will will, uh, make a pledge and a promise, we will have another program and we'll bring him back on because he has a really, uh, he's been documenting this. And and before I come to you, Mr. Muhammad, I want to say, you know, we talked about the deadly exchange. Was it the deadly exchange of the school family era? Because what we know is police and, and state institutions from all around the globe trained together to intentionally hurt and maim protesters and organizers. Um, and so when we look at, you know, the UN and all these different international bodies, they have all these rules and regulations about like when this stuff is supposed to be used, how it's supposed to be used. But we know when it comes to the law, unfortunately, as lawyers, right? On the, on, you know, educators on this panel, we know that when when their laws are written, there's always going to be loopholes. There's always going to you know to be ways that people ha- have carved out exceptions. And so, coming to you, Mr. Muhammad, you have been like you said, you've lived the most of your life under the occupation. You've you've seen all these forms of tear gas. You've you've seen the American you know uh, uh, police and all these all these other institutions and you know training. How um, has this been used, you know, in recent years, this tear gas, these munitions? Because you said people are, you know, being really experimented on. Um, and that's kind of like the, like the takeaway. But can you just go a little more in detail, please? I'm just going to have you unmute yourself. I do apologize. Sorry, I'm always doing this. So, so sorry. <laughs> so as, as I said before, like, you know, since 2005, I am part of this like, uh, demonstration that we are keeping doing in a daily life because the occupation is, is a strength and extend, expand. And so we have to resist it. And to resist, we have to demonstrate because we want to use the nonviolent methods and we want to demonstrate in a very peacefully demonstration. But the Israelis and the occupation react to us very in a very violent way. So we start to become like as as, uh, as not an expert, but we know exactly which kind of, of, of gas. Like you know, we, since we see the the army are coming, because here we, I must dif- differentiate. We are not speaking about bullets. We are with army. And you know what's the difference between, like, you know, the army and the police, which is supposed not to deal with, with civilians. But because we are under occupation, then who's deal with us is the, is the military forces, which is the occupation of, like, you know, the Israeli occupation forces. So it's like, um, um, so they're, they're, like, you know, the orders that they have, the way that deal with us, it's totally, a, like, a very hard against us. So... When we see this, this soldier is coming, first of all, we don't know, who, like, you know, who is him. We don't know what, his, what is in his mind, what he will do now. 
if he will kill, if he will shoot, how, because we don't know which background he came from, what is like, you know, what they teach him, what they educated him, which kind of orders he have against us. So each time we are going there, we scared to lose our life. But in, in the same time, we decide to continue the struggle and to continue the demonstration because we want to raise our voices loud that we will not live with this occupation. We will not normalize with this occupation. We are against this occupation. So this soldier, when he came, he is full with, with equipment. So when, since he is coming or the jeep is coming, uh, we know which kind of tear gas he has. And there's different kind, like, you know, as I said, the, the black one, the 400 uh, millimeter one, like the white, the aluminum one. And these aluminum are different types. And also, uh, he, he will use it from a gun or he will throw it by his hand or he will shoot it from a drone or a jeep or like a launch. It's also uh, different. And there is also something that I want to mention that it's very dangerous. We know the normal tear gas canisters, but there is something called the rocket. This, this rocket, at least he, be, he killed two, two people, like, you know, from my, from my know. There's another, I, I don't back to researches, but if we go back to, to Bethlehem research and other researches, we know that there is more. But this, like, you know, this kind of, uh, which is called, uh, it's reached to 1,000 meter, one kilometer it could reach. It's a very, very far distance. This has a, 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 inside it like a rocket launch. Uh, uh, like, you know, it could launch them itself again. So when it reached to 500 meter, it could launch again. So imagine that they shot it, uh, and after, you know, it's reached to 500. And after 500, it will be accelerate more and it will be come back again fast. So when it hit people, it killed people. So this is also an American uh, manufactured uh, weapon that it's, I think that uh, after Basin being killed, there was a decision from like, you know, the, the army, even the army itself to, to stop use it. But until now, they are using it and assume also they are using it in the United States until now. And the other important issue, maybe you are used to, to see the tear gas effect against the, demonstra the demonstrators. But because we are in a village and our demonstration in the field, so the tear gas is like make a fire. Because, like, you know, how is the smoke is getting out from it? Because it's, there is a fire inside it. So when it's get to the ground, it make a fire, a big fire. So there is hundreds of trees being burned by this tear gas canisters. So this is also, it's not only its effect against the human, but also it's against the, the planet and the, the trees. I will end, like, you know, here for the small story that, Happened with to us like in, in, in like after Basim being killed by a tear gas canister, and there's many olive trees being burned. And you know when the olive tree being burned, it's a stay alive. It's a stay stand. It's burned from inside, not from outside. So it's the 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 body stay 
but inside it, it, it be, will be died. So, and Basim being killed by a tear gas canister. So in the place that Basim being killed, we plant, we brought this tree that has been burned, and inside it, we plant a new, a new, a new and a small tree. And this was, our message was that from that we will make life. And here in the place that Basim being killed, we want to send the hope that we will, his memory will live forever, and also the tree will, and the life will get back again. So our, always our messages is for hope and for uh, peace and resistance. And we hope that we will have a lot of people who are like, you know, will stand with us and also with other uh, community, communities who are under depression and they are being tear gases by the if the word is right, by these companies and by this like technology that it's uh, little uh, weapons. Thank you, thank you, you know, so much for that. I think it's also important, you know, even coming back to UK, a lot of times we forget that these canisters, they're, they put some stuff in the air, right? You're breathing them. It stays, it, the, 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 this tear gas, this pepper spray, and this is not, you know, the pepper spray that is on your little keychain. This is stuff that is super, super concentrated, um, super harmful. It can stay in your clothes. It can stay in the water, um, stay in your homes, your blinds, all types of stuff. And so people, you know, are getting slowly poisoned, you know, over these periods. And, and it's very important, you know, that this is not only harming people, but as, as Muhammad saying, you know, it's a climate justice issue because it's harming, you know, the land, the water, the sea and the air. And also I want to mention something before you, if you allowed me uh, back to, to when he, when he speak about the COVID and how the effect of the, I, I was just uh, like, you know, a witness in, in something that happened, a friend of mine, he was like, you know, he's like around 45 years old. He was like, you know, get, he get the, the coronavirus, the COVID, and he was in the hospital for a while. And then when we get, like, when he get out, he feel that he's now, he's good and everything, and that the disease passed. But when we were in the demonstration, he was like, you no know, far away, he, even not in the crowd of the tear gas. He was just only a few meters but he smelled the tear gas and he has to get back to the hospital and he was in a dangerous of life because of like, you know, the, the difficulties in breathing uh, because Queen mentioned that before. So I want just to give a, like a, a testimony about like something happening in the front of mine that people who have problems now, they are in more dangerous in their life if they get the tear gas, uh, the tear gas uh, now. Um, can I want to add something to this? Uh, am I not muted? Okay. Um, if, if the people listening want to see more of Will Sand's work, um, he, I mean, you can find his work at the pulitzercenter.org backslash people backslash Will Sands. Um, and so you'll see the, the work that he's doing now, uh, as I said, that I think that 30 people at these uh, Black Lives Matter demonstrations in the last couple of years lost an eye shot directly in the face um, with these tear gas canisters. Um, I want to say one um, 
during last summer when when Israel was bombing Gaza and the West Bank and inside 48 uh, inside 48 Israel, um, I had friends who were Palestinian citizens and Israeli citizens sending photographs of the canisters that were being used against them. And those canisters are clearly labeled. Mohammed, you could, if you have these canisters, they're clearly labeled with CSI facilities, Jamestown, Pennsylvania. And this would, this was very current. I really feel that, um, I want to say there are, there are other organizations that have been taking up this issue. I know Amnesty International has written about it. Human Rights Watch has written about it. And last, August 2020, the War Resisters League, one of the oldest peace organizations in the United States, sent a group of people to the facility in Jamestown where they blocked the entrance to the facility and five people were arrested because they locked arms and they were not going to move. So this campaign has been around for a while. Um, some of the knowledge we have has been around for a while. But I do believe there's an increased use in this, um, especially here in the United States. And I think at some point, and I don't really have a proposal for this, but I do think that we're going to have to bring all these organizations together and really demand that these plants are shut down. I don't, I don't see any other way. I mean, they will continue to manufacture. They will continue to declare themselves as non-lethal. They will continue to be used against protesters here and around the world. And I do really think that if people knew, if you saw the photographs of what happens to human beings when they're hit in the head with this, that I think we could turn around the consciousness of people where we would have many more citizens and others demanding that these plants stop manufacturing these deadly weapons. I mean, yeah, I think we should be writing the governor. I think we should be talking to the legislature. I think we should be protesting regularly. We need to shut these plants down. And we need to, to tell the American people that this is not in our interest. Yeah, and I know there have been reports of when police now discharge these weapons, that they are also being told to pick them up to make sure that people can't, you know, take a picture of them, that make sure people can't document them. So what's been also going on is people have literally been saying, okay, it's made from this facility. Yes. It came out in this year. These are, you know, maybe the, even the chemical compounds, because also, you know, we're talking about these munitions. We have no idea what this stuff is. I remember when I was in Ferguson and and got you know tear gas and pepper sprayed. We had no idea what we were breathing. We had no idea, you know, what like what to even go and tell the doctor what happened, right? Like we just knew we had this stuff. We had to, you know, you know, get rid of it, and it, you know, and we couldn't breathe. We didn't even know if we could even it was even safe for us to take our inhalers and use the, like the medication. And so another point is that even though the stuff is being manufactured, the 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 chemical compounds and stuff, you know, because of 
you know, competition, we don't even know what these chemical breakdowns are. And when we talk about like the capitalism and how everything, you know, it, it is impacted, imagine saying it, it's an industry secret, what we put in these weapons. And so therefore you as a person who's been impacted don't have a right to know what these chemicals are that have been, you know, uh, launched at your person. And as we wrap up some of the next steps, um, I want each of you to talk about some of the work that you're doing and some of the ways that um, people can get involved in support. And so, Kay, I'll come to you first. How can people get, you know, involved in support, you know, with the Pittsburgh Palestinian Solidarity Committee? Um, I think um, the best way to contact us is through the Facebook page at this point. Um, I know that we'll be going back to Jamestown to protest. Um, and I don't know exactly when, but we're really looking forward to publicizing that. Uh, as I said, we work in collaboration with people in Youngstown, the Arab Community Center, uh, with activists in Cleveland. Um, and so what, what generally what we do is we coordinate with activists from the region who have been going to the CSI facility at least 10, since 2004. We have a Facebook page, Pittsburgh Palestine Solidarity Committee. And so you can contact us through that page. We are now in discussion about what our next steps are, and we want to welcome people's involvement. And I hope that um, this talk today really inspired people to want to get active and involved in this campaign. Um, it's unfortunate that we haven't been able to hear from Will. Um, so, Miracle, I do want to, um, I hope we can do this again, and I hope that we can get him back on. Um, and I'm sure that other people are impacted by this. Um, I do know that there are lawsuits in cities across the country from individuals who've been shot. Um, but I, but I, you know, again, I think that probably there could be and maybe will be some more collaboration. Our work around Palestine, as I said, goes back at least till the beginning of the second intifada. Um, we've traveled there. We have family there. We have friends there. Um, and so if people want to learn more about Palestine, again, please contact the Pittsburgh Palestine Solidarity Committee, and we, we're happy to meet with you. Um, we do have other ongoing campaigns, which are still just we're working on now, but I'll definitely let you know about those um, soon, actually. So thank you. Thank you. And coming to you, Mr. Muhammad, we know you have been, like I said, at the forefront of a lot. You know, you've gone through your own, you know, tribulations, your own trials, you know, survived, you know, various incidents of brutality. And so we do thank you so much for, again, it's now 10 o'clock at night. Thank you so much for staying up with us to, you know, come and talk about, you know, the, the, the friends and loved ones you lost and the things that, you know, you have experienced at the hands of these American companies. Um, how can people, you know, support you? Um, what are some of, uh, of the demands and, and, and uh, requirements that you have of folks um, who are paying attention and who, are, who care about these issues? Thank you. Uh, we want like people to understand the reality in the ground and how is how is the regime. It's true that we are speaking about the tear gas canisters and how the effect of the gas, but also we must understand that it's it's about the centimeter and the inch. Like you know, they are trying to control every 
centimeter in our land. They want like, you know, they are using a different kind of ways, uh, different kind of uh, methods. And they are trying like, you know, using weapons. They try to using the techniques, everything. Like, you know, I'm speaking about uh, the settlers and the army, the police, the regime, the government. All of them are one identity and one, one company. What like, you know, in next uh, month will be like, you know, the harvest, the olive harvest. And this is something that we are facing a lot of violence from the settlers and from and we are doing in the BSC, the West Tiger Coordination Community, a campaign. That this campaign is to help farmers to reach to their land and to pick their olive trees because settlers will attack them and also army will use the tear gas and will use different kind of weapons to evacuate the area that we will not manage to reach to our fields and to pick our olive trees. So I'm asking people, first of all, to participate in their, their country in these campaigns that you are doing against these companies who are blocking the international law and participate in strength and facilitate the occupation. And who all these companies, no matter if it's a company of like a tear gas, canister, tear gas or a, a company of like, you know, a concrete company or like, you know, different kind of companies who are participating in strength the occupation in, in our land. And if anyone who could come, I know that the, the lockdown and all these like, you know, circumstances because of the COVID-19 and all this issue, people can't travel. But who can travel and who can come and participate with us in our campaign to, to help the farmers, it's also, and to participate in our demonstration, he's welcome. And also, like, you know, I know that also the, the situation, but we want, like, you know, to help each other to stand in the front of, of the repression and, 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 and against, like, you know, this occupation, no matter the face. Like, you know, we are, as I said before, we are like Israelis, international Palestinians participating together in this demonstration. We are not differentiating between who is who's white or who's black. We are against the occupation because they are part of the of the of this regime. They are part. So anyone who refuses to be part, he's welcome to be part of our struggle. But we are not against the because they are Jewish or because they are white or they are black. We are against them because they are they decide to be part of the occupation. So, like, you know, we are like saying that we are in a joint struggle against the anti, like, you know, justice system, against the occupation, against the colonization, against this regime, who is like, you know, keep continue uh, controlling our life and taking our lives. Uh, thank you again for hosting me. I'm so happy to participate with, with all this, you know, faces and we are uh, proud to be part of the uh, global struggle for justice and we hope that justice will be everywhere and to everyone thank you again thank you so much and we do hope you know to take you up on your offer to come you know and join you during this uh, harvest season so we will look forward to working with you um in person and building with you in person so 
Um, thank you so much for that invite. Um, and Quinn, you know, the Abolitionist Law Center is always doing, you know, so much work. Uh, you know, how can people support? How can people volunteer if you need them to volunteer? Um, and how can people uh, uh, organize with you all? Yeah, so uh, first of all, definitely um, you're interested in uh, you know, supporting anything that we've been talking about here. Um, go uh, support what, what Kate and Mohammed both, both said. You can check those out as well. Um, for the Abolitionist Law Center, we're online at abolitionistlawcenter.org, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Um, so you can find contact info there if you're interested in, in getting involved in volunteering in anything. One of our biggest volunteering opportunities is with our court watch program um, where basically we try to hold the courts accountable by going in and, and watching what they're what they're doing during the hearings. Then uh, I think what we've been talking about here did was um, absolutely brutal company people um, as a result of the uh, uh, statewide ballot referendum, which banned a couple of things, but Montana was was in Allegheny um, County Jail. So as a result, other types of there's still time for the county to cancel those contracts. Absolutely, right to the county executive or any county officials um, and advocate for them canceling the contracts um, before they are actually implemented at, at ACJ, um, which is a place where even without those kinds of weapons, uh, people suffer immensely and are constantly brutalized. Um, as far as the police go in uh, in Pittsburgh, um, as many of you know, we'll have a new mayor um, come next year. Um, Ed Ganey is most likely going to be elected. Um, so if you're involved in organizing work in, here in um here in Pittsburgh, you can absolutely advocate for uh, him to take a position banning these types of weapons uh, and preventing the police from using them again. That's one of the things that we're seeking through our lawsuit, but courts are slow and uncertain, um, and it's certainly something that, that uh, he could push and should be sort of at the forefront of, of his agenda, um, I think, as he, as he takes office, most likely takes office um, in January. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you so much uh, uh, for for that. And um, what Quinn was talking about the cancel of contracts. If you have Twitter, the it's a, a Twitter account called Allegheny J O B. Um, they uh, the Allegheny uh, um, uh, J O B uh, Watch is kind of what they what they stand for. Um, they have been really going to the uh, every type of board meeting when the Allegheny County Jail Board. Uh, meets and, and been tweeting out all these things, but a lot of people locally, you know, we organized, we supported the measure to ban solitary confinement um, in the local jail, and the response, you know, that the, that the jail has now said is that, hey, we will ban solitary confinement in our jail if you give us these trainings on these less lethal weapons so we can use them um, in these closed-off facilities for places that already um, have a COVID-19 spread, but also do not have, you know, the best air conditioning systems. So we know this is going to uh, cause a lot of long-term 
um, any immediate uh, impacts and harms on people who um, who not only are placed at the Allegheny County Jail, but work there as well. So again, thank you all so much for joining us for this special presentation um, for TGIF. Like I said, I, I promise, I guarantee we will have another program with Will. I, I commit myself um, to, ha to having that presentation, whether it's in person or, or virtual, because I think it's very important for people to see what these companies are doing um, in, in you know, the need uh, under the name of pretext of you know American solidarity and safety. And so we can organize and fight back against those. Please follow all these amazing organizations on like social media. Again, thank you all so much for joining us this evening. Muhammad, I hope you go to bed soon. Um, again, thank you all so much. See you next time. Please join us uh, for the rest of our programming this week. Um, I'll go ahead and let our panelists leave um, as I do like our, our rundown uh, for the week tomorrow. We're actually talking more about um, what's happening. I'm here at the Allegheny County Jail and the Schumann Center for um, our power hours. So that's Monday at 7 p.m. Um, and so please uh, join us tomorrow right back here at 7 p.m. as we're talking about what's happening with the close of the Schumann Center. Um, and we'll see you for the rest of the week. Please be mindful to take care of yourself. We know today was a heavy topic. Please practice self-care. Um, please, if you feel like you need to do something, write your elected officials, you know, write the, you know, uh, the people who are the decision makers in your counties and organizations so that they will not um, support these measures. And we will see you next time. My name is Miracle. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you.